0: Hi, I'm Ajay Parachasarthi and you are listening to The Sensations, a podcast about people who have led impactful lives. On every episode, I will engage in conversations with people who belong to a wide array of fields and I'll bring to you their stories that will inspire the sensation within you. Today on the show, we have someone who I've known for a long, long time. He's an engineer, an author, an advertiser and has been featured in the 30 advertisers under 30 list for the third time now. He has travelled across rural India for more than 1200 days, working with brands that have touched millions of people. Coming in from this is Krishna Khan
1: Mishra and I love his existence. Thank you, Ajay. Uh, I think I have a better built up to my LinkedIn summary now, <laughs> everything <better> that you <laughs> mentioned because I never
0: knew all of his problems. But, yeah, uh, but, but a caveat a- for the audience here, we went to the same college and he was three years senior to me. Krishna, do you remember the first time we
1: interacted? I think, yeah, fairly, yes, yeah. Uh, we, we met on a, on a, let's just say that we met over chaos. Because, uh, of course, engineering takes a toll on you. But okay. then we belong to a college where we had so much to sort of look beyond the idea of studies. Mm-hmm. And we had so much extracurricular to look into. And of course, uh, the entire idea of students' curriculum and, uh, Horizon as a festival. Right, right. <laughs> the largest cultural festival. The largest most, cultural right. festival. Yeah, that even that didn't fetch us money for the marketing pieces. But uh, I remember you coming into uh, the students union council room, and in fact, not it, it was not you. It was somebody else who just sort of mentioned that Ajay uh, is a guy who can manage uh, uh, internet very well. So everything to do with social, you know, he this piece very well. And uh, I remember asking for somebody to just sort of get you in the room and you were so scared getting inside. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think the first time you mentioned about how you could sort of build a Twitter for the college festival itself or I, I remember you were working on a new Facebook idea which was more to do with uh, the college and which was very, very naive at that time because this is even before Facebook and Twitter uh
0: was so common. Was so, was
1: so common was so famous to what we see right now. So it was fun. I mean, I mean, it was easy for you to... Uh, I mean, the honesty on your face gave me enough conviction that you could manage Twitter mm-hmm. for our college festival. and I think Which was a practically non-existent at the time. <laughs> exactly. And
0: I think you did a, great job. did a great job. Thank you so much. So, what was your experience like in RIT? Because I know you as a person and I know the things you've done there. So, uh, I clearly... My batch of students, they really looked up to
1: you at that point. And I want you to tell your experience about what really was happening out there. So, RAIT for me was sheer sure luck. Or engineering for me was sheer sure luck because I was... i was A medical aspirant. Correct. My, my upbringing was all about being a doctor. Mm-hmm. So, even when I was a kid, uh, I had a pet name. Uh, that's how people in my family used to call me, just to... I have a nickname that is uh, Dr. Krishna. Dr. Mishra. Dr. Mishra, Dr. Krishna. And I still have relatives who have my number saved on their phone. So I did everything in my limits mm-hmm. to, to ensure that I get a medical seat. But uh, this was just sheer coincidence, uh, bad luck. I don't want to get into the depth of what happened, but... <laughs> is but I one. think that
0: bad luck worked out really well for me. I,
1: I I don't know yet. Uh, I'm, I'm still seeing that. But I, I think it was a good call back then. You know? I just, It was just one plain day where I realized that I had to, I was not supposed to get into. I had a medical seat for me which is 300 kilometers from mm-hmm. Mumbai but there was some personal reasons I couldn't pursue it. The next immediate step I had was engineering and uh, I suppose my elder brother studied from the same college. Oh, your elder brother was you? R.A.I.? Oh, so, okay. I had a little knack about what this college was all about. But my brother always focused forced me not to pursue this college, because there are many other colleges to look up to. And engineering for me was, uh, even in my CET exams, which is a preconceived uh, uh, examination that happens before, uh, that, that's more or less a testing part for you to enter engineering. In my math section of uh, uh, CET, I just finished a paper in thirty minutes. I just had my tick marks, the multiple choice questions in different patterns and the way I felt. So you didn't know anything? I didn't know anything. And then by the end of it, I realized I had to get into medical, or or I was so sure that I'll get a medical seat. Yeah, your priority was PCB and yeah, not yeah. PCM. And after my so PCB was after PCM. So after finishing PCB, I was like, I have to go now. So I'm getting into medical college. So yeah. i had engineering, it. but yeah, the thirty minutes of uh, time pass and thing with partitions was made my career. So hmm. it was just one fine day where I realized that I had to choose and given no option of medical, I had to pick up a so it was just sheer conviction I thought I should take this college. And without informing any of my folks or parents or brothers, siblings or whatever, I just chose this college. And, and then RAIT happened and RAIT was... So imagine a guy who's not supposed to be doing engineering all his life. And within 30 days from then, he's sitting in a classroom that's teaching him mechanics and electronics and everything that he had. But uh, the larger part about the college, and I know this is not a PR session for the college for sure, uh, right. it taught us a lot so maybe i always keep telling my uh, uh juniors and colleagues that i was lucky enough to learn from a college where which was which specialized in engineering but uh, it gave me a dual degree of mba as well right. before i passed out in four years because our college was more about uh, uh, brotherhood it was more about coexistence it was more about cooperation it was more about uh, jamming with people from different parts of the country and Thank, um, like I'm thankful to uh, the stadium we had in our college right. generated some and we were
0: quite us. lucky because you got to work with the IPL
1: of course I mean, I I mean, that, came, that that came naturally to us because we they asked us to select a couple of students who would just go and represent ourselves and uh, yeah I was very lucky in that sphere because the amount of opportunities we had in, uh, in terms of our extracurricular activities is is, is just madness and mm-hmm. by the end of the fourth year I realized that yes I did my engineering but uh, I... gained I, something more valuable about it. Yeah, I think engineering was a great thing to say, but became secondary and primary was the, the nuance of the entertainment and the media world that I learned here in three, four years. Yeah. And of course, the, the friends and family that I made here. And so that... I
0: So do you think that was the factor that influenced you to get into
1: advertising? I think it's very important for you to understand and, and this just goes to everybody. Like, you know, I, I believe 90-95% of the people out there are very unclear about what they want to do mm-hmm. at the age of 16 mm-hmm. and 18. Uh, I was one of them. And it, it's so important for you to uh, have a close peer group, which is sort of a great influence for you, which helps you identify what you really want to do. Because uh, the generic pattern is that people end up doing their uh, junior college, their pursue a of graduation, right. which is in most of the cases would be medical engineering, uh, or something else. Staple courses. And after that is when they sort of Google what they're supposed to do in life. You know just, Google by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and they just pick up that what they want to do in life. So I think that's pretty wrong. And, and it's very important for you to start thinking early. Mm-hmm. Like I would want to go back in time and at, at the age of 16, you know, pursue media as mm-hmm. a course. Right. But I think everything happens for the right reason. So it's important for you to sort of and I think, uh, uh, one, one, an important factor which we don't really account for is the kind of friends and, uh, people that you are surrounded with. You know. The influence you big time, From, right. Your, your brain functions at its optimum level from 17 to 25, right? right? And most of the time spent is spent in college. And you're roughly spending 10 hours out there across the world around you. So it's also important for you to have a right set of people by your side. Yeah. Somebody who understands you very well, motivates you to do a lot of things. If that's not the case, then uh, there's enough examples in the world for you to... Like, enough, more than enough. Yeah, so if, you know, if your aim is to die uncommon, you've got to pick and choose all of these things carefully, right from this path. I was lucky enough. Yeah. Yeah. But this is all present in disguise. I still don't believe... I got into media after completing it. Shalak.
0: So you work with Ogilvy right now, and, uh, you head the newly made
1: section of Ogilvy, which yeah. is the content studio. That's the content studio. So what is it all about? So, uh, immediately after engineering, I, I happened to, I had a placement in one of those IT companies in India. But I never... The master this. I don't want to speak for it. But I don't want to be a cyber servant. So the point is I need you to... You just job. say that they are a mass recruiter. Ha, just say recruiter. But I never wanted to do that. And, and I realized, uh, what is the next big uh, thing that I'll do? And uh, again, there was some opening in a company called Ogilvy. I had I had no idea what Ogilvy was. I had no idea what it was i remember i was going for the interview to gilby because uh, the job description said that they wanted somebody uh, immediate hire which is you're supposed to join tomorrow for this job okay. and they they, they need an a, a extreme fresher person who i contacted she explicitly mentioned that she doesn't care about experience but you should be a graduate for sure and so so i remember i was in the BST process, uh, reaching Goregaon office, and I was looking what Willoughby does before entering the office, and I like, shit, I'm going to a big space so I did a lot of great stuff. But that interview also was, uh, like, I remember my first boss, he just sort of took my interview for 15 minutes, and he realized that this guy knows nothing about advertising. <laughs> <laughs> and he asked me a question, he's like, which company are you in? And I was like, Well will give you in with <laughs> And he sort of asked me to go out and write the name of the company like on a piece of paper and by heart it and tell him back. But, uh, I was the 18th guy to be interviewed for that same position because was oh. denied oh. a job. They were selected but they denied. But such was the thing. And, and after after spending three, four years in Ogilvy I, I patiently practiced for the last two years the idea of filmmaking, freelancing, uh, scouting travel projects and what. And uh, Content is an important factor. Is right. something that has come to my head, and uh, I realize the uh, the way people sort of complacently use the word content. Everything in the world is content. Content creators, content managers, blah 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 blah. But what's really important for you is to tell stories. Right. And, and I think uh, after scouting corners of rural India, I I believe content storytelling is more important than right. any other theory. Oh. Content just happens to be fancy name given to the studio. So that's what I've been doing would be right? We scout one-sixth of the world, which is 1.3 billion people in India, and pick out interesting stories that can help our brands leverage. Uh, so
0: how did this whole
1: idea of getting into the rural segment come into play? Because advertisers typically
0: go for the big cities, the cosmopolitan areas, but going the rural
1: route, like what made you do that? So once I've... Once I finished my... I think this entire point of rural India gets me back to my interview. The sudden mm-hmm. interview I had. In a baby. By the way, it just is so uh, finicky as a youth to face situations at the turning points, so is I wanted to do medicine. I got into engineering. After engineering, I wanted to do something else. All of a sudden, this media happened. So by this time, I was trained to learn how to deal with an uncertain situation. Uh, but in the very interview... After, I think, 45 minutes of grill, grilling down myself and then embarrassment and everything that i faced, they asked me a simple question, do you love travel? I I love travel. But I was still unaware of what I'd face. I if, didn't know the reality. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know the reality. I guess I love travel. They, they mentioned that 17-odd people have denied this job. You still want to pursue it. So, yeah, why not? Six and okay. And I think this, there are two phases to me as an individual. That was one phase. Whatever life I lived till 21 was an identity. and uh, After 21, to whatever I am right now, it's a different persona. And that's that's pretty much inspired and influenced by what I saw in the next four years of my job. And and rural India happened because, uh, I think the first few months were actually tedious. Like, I I remember I've cried on ground. I've called my parents, I've, <laughs> Haan, like, I don't want to stay here, sir. I don't want to do this job. But there's, there's something about, uh, you know, and there were a couple of uh, incidents and instances where I realized that, oh shit, this is the real India. Right. Like, 77% of our population, our demographies, and all that I've seen since my childhood is just 23%, which is the glamour part of the country, which is still country. So, I think. After about a year or so, I got addicted to the idea of uh, the Indian hinterlands. And then I never looked back. That's great. And with Ogilvy, you have been working with a lot of government bodies as well, right? The Kumbh. Side. Yeah, that. that So, okay, Kumbh uh, happened last year. I think uh, uh, while we were scouting. So, while I was scouting the rural hinterlands and whatnot, except for uh, Jammu Kashmir and uh, Kerala parts of Tamil Ladu. I happen to stay in almost every part of India for an average of ten to ten days to a month. Yeah. And while while I was scouting all these places I came across a lot of these uh, festivals and properties which were, you know, they are congregation points okay. and where people celebrate, you know, they come together and things are quite different in rural India from what we usually okay. see in metro cities, you know, because we have so much uh, so many avenues to sort of seek entertainment or just a time out or things to do or things. Uh, for them I think uh, these properties hold a lot of uh, importance and value because it's, it comes uh, in a certain part of the year and everybody looks forward to it so they don't have a lot to seek every day but it's just that one property that wears up and, and it's close to the heart as well it's very close to the heart so one of the very interesting properties that I've uh, experienced was in twenty thirteen, which is the And I was just flabbergasted by the the idea of them. I mean there are there were more than ten crore people uh, at one single bank of the river uh, and they were all taking a trip towards the river. it's just unreal. Like you can't it it takes a while for you to just stand and sort of Realize what you are just what you just witnessed around you. I mean, Kumbh was one of the most fantastic experiences ever. And that was beautiful always, chaos. it was a beautiful chaos. I mean, it's not even a chaos. I mean, it's just a different level of spirituality to what people want to seek, and that's that's where you showcase the real India. I mean, it is the largest human congregation in the world, right. and, and no doubt when you sort of experience it, you will it. So Kumbh was always in the back of. It just so happened that last year when I joined again, we'll be in this content studio, we sort of also wanted to explore the opportunities of uh, identifying such properties and how could we leverage them for brands. And uh, We happened to work closely with the government because we realized that uh, when we do advertising in Kumela, we cannot be just another brand putting up hoardings and buying stalls and sampling products. We actually wanted to do good so while we did our own preliminary research, we identified ten different pain points of what a pilgrim or a devotee might face as a problem during uh, this mela. Because managing twelve crore people uh, in a city that has like thirty lakh people is, is really difficult. So of course the government has organised a lot for them. But there's always more you could do for uh, any sort of people. So we rea- we sort of realised every single pain point that was that existed uh, in the mela. And uh, and that's when we went to the government authorities, the district magistrate of the uh, region, and explained that we wanted to sort of uh, our brands wanted to do good in the Kumbh Lina. and we won't restrict ourselves to pushing uh, our advertising agenda. We'd rather want to solve problems. And I think from there to to the end of Kumbh, uh, we've done something remarkable, which has never happened in the advertising industry in India before, uh, because for an extent of serving over two hundred million people. We had special machines that, you know, so Red Label, uh, the tea company, had uh, a lot of uh, machines installed, which is called, the idea was called Tea for Trash. So, there were free cups of uh, chai and tea given to everybody, but in return they had to uh, give away a certain amount of trash, which they otherwise would throw outside. So, it's just an incentive program where you, you put in trash. So, you pay trash to get exactly. chai. Um, we had special uh, and a lot of other projects that we sort of worked on, there was the Hammam Waterproof Sari. So if you Google Kumbh mm-hmm. in general, you would see pictures of uh, people taking dip at the, at the ghats. And most of these pictures are a little obscene because there are a lot of women who take a dip. So, you know, and we can't really restrict a lot of people taking photographs at the ghats. So we sort of also wanted to realize what could we do with them, And we partnered with Hammam to build a waterproof saris. You know, these, waterproof saris. What these are normal saris with a waterproof coating on it. Oh, so when they take a dip, the water, the, the clot doesn't cling to their body, and it just it gets them a safer experience of the zone. Right. Uh, we had nets installed on the boards that will help people to uh, that automatically ferried people as well as collected any trash in the river. Uh, we had special gloves called uh, uh, the the gloves as we call them. So because uh, we wanted to use this idea of clapping, people clapping. We installed studs inside the gloves. So when you clap, they automatically created acupressure uh, through your hands in your body to keep yourself warm. This is distributed free to all the women in the world. So I think Kumbh was a great experience for us as well as advertisers. And it's given us, and it's not just about tapping into a certain religion, uh, but we also have an entire laundry list of other properties that we are eyeing right now which is uh, right from Himalayas to uh, something to do with Ajmer to, to the desert to the beaches to the south to the part of the country to the northwest. so we want to sort of get these properties and then uh, we can create some meaningful experiences but of course this is this is always more to do okay. beyond advertising this cannot be just about uh, telling people how good my brand is but it's Helping a brand find meaning in itself, like, a more deeper connection around. Right, and that is where the hashtag days comes from. Yeah, so this is personal now. Days has become and, and I realized a lot of people. Because I've seen uh, on social media everywhere, like yeah, I've been cursed for it, man. I and mean, that, that's how people call me now. Hashtag days. Hashtag but, days. Uh, yeah. But hashtag days is hashtag is because people connect hashtags really well. But right. it's a thing that when I grew up. Like, it is the Instagram age ah, it's the Instagram age and everybody wants to sort of use hashtags and hashtags. But, I mean, in India, a lot of people are yet to understand how to use hashtags. <laughs> they, you can't have a... An... <laughs> post where people have 30 hashtags. Yeah, yeah. They I max mean, out the limit. Forget that. They have a hashtag which is like 5, 6, 7, 8 words together which is like uh, I had a bad day today is a hashtag. So, I no,
0: know
1: one of the funniest
0: hashtags I've seen was I underscore had underscore chai underscore today underscore Do you understand that?
1: Underscores. The underscores, and nobody's gonna watch that hashtag again. He's gonna be the only leapy guy who's gonna sort of put that. I it's cool on. for some people. Of course, it's cool putting out hashtags, but I think we should understand the meaning of hashtags, but I mean, it's very common, and it's okay for an audience to not understand hashtags, of Uh, but the problem is when brands also use hashtags in mean, lot that's, that's, that's <laughs> more point of concern for, at least for me, sort of educate them. Anyway, so this happened because I come from a family, uh, which is sort of based in wireless. There's, there's something that you know since childhood i've heard uh, people in my vicinity in my area sort of pronouncing sure to sir so yeah, yeah. so it is it, always a difference so ashish will be asis and i think that's common with a lot of people in the north right yeah must be the case but i, I was I, I, I always used to say like uh, when when i used to live like we had this annual visit the the uh, summer holidays I used to go back and they would always pronounce this word this and I think the ideology of this for me back then was just a word but right? it's, it's grown up to a larger uh, a larger thought which is which is I think which defines India and the more we own it uh, the more we understand the people of this, I think that's where the real growth is because India today is a penetration market for anybody. You know the re- real growth that's supposed to come will come from these people. Right. The amount of spends they have is, I think, larger than the GDP of Europe. Right. And, and you're talking about you're talking about almost one billion. If you understand their traditions, their cultures, uh, their astronomy, the nuances, you would be. Just, I mean, um, you would be amazed by how how well crafted their lives are, apart from what you see on TV, which is, or media, which is uh, more to do with poverty and but I think it's important for us to sort of explore the, the way of life they have sort of lived and always look upon them in an extent. Because we always, uh, so when you talk about rural India, everybody says, Gaon right. Sai, Ali that's yeah, a so, in the in Mumbai. from village. from village. but Just because he was brought up to wherever in our territory, that doesn't mean that he has a lower IQ or lower curiosity and In fact, talk about curiosity, I've met the most curious people, the most intelligent people sort of know. There's a way of living that they taught me. Because they don't have a filter. Correct. They they are unfiltered. They are they are very clear on what they sort of want. Their life demands are not so high, and you know they're not so ambitious about everything. They they live a very uh, clear life. and uh, there is there is a set job which most of them has uh, in different parts of the country, and they know their demands. So uh, it's a very it's a very clear state of mind, to, which which sort of also admit it's an amalgamation of a lot of things, such as the weather the the food, the air you breathe, for that matter, I mean everything is so different. And I think over the period of time meeting all these communities and different people and their lifestyles uh, has taught me on one thing that India is all about this. And I think the more we, the more we study these regions, the more we try and uplift these people, the more, and we, uh, the more if we try and sort of cater to them, uh, I think the more. There's just say, growth, is what you really So it's high time sort of looking at this. So
0: can you give me an example of one of these trips
1: in, into rural India where you met someone and that person really touched your heart? There, there are many, yeah. there are many. One thing that stands out for you. So, okay, there's this guy, uh, and this happens to be one of the cool stories. Uh, we were scouting for stories in the whole of Bhairaj uh, or Anabar. We wanted somebody to tell us the entire, uh, narration of what is Kumbh, why kum, happens and what not. And we bumped into this gentleman, his name is Dukanji. People call him Dukanji because, uh, his grandfather was Makanji. <laughs> <laughs> and, and different stories as well. So, next day we sort of, we had to scout this guy and out of nowhere we made this gentleman, must be in his early 50s. And he has a mustache which is, I think, the, the old school, uh, Virupin style mustache. And, the uh-huh. and he mentioned a very, uh, a very different thing that he is well known in the world as a mustache dancer. So we googled him and we realized that yes, he is very famous. He has been featured on a lot of, uh, uh, TV shows, TV reality, entertainment shows and what, and covered by a lot of international media. So we spent some time with Dukanji and uh, so while he comes across as somebody who, you know, uh, wants to showcase his art form and uh, wants to sort of uh, let people know of moustache dance as a, as a as a different piece of art that could be done. I think when we spoke to him for like almost three hours and we hung out together for a day, we took us to the best places in Praia uh, to have some really good chai and chai and what came out of that human being was his innocence. His innocence, his, his honesty, uh, the idea of, uh, living in a terrain, but yet, sort of, right. uh, you get know what I mean? Like, he just is so... He's in his own world. He's in his own world and... and he and knows he's happy. He's very happy, he's extremely happy. I mean, the guy is the ambassador of Swachh Bharat Abhyan for Allahabad. So. Oh. And, uh, he would just walk out in the day. Uh, that doesn't mean he doesn't make a living. He has he, he has his own shows about what he does with the moustache and he just places two candles on the moustache and he does a dance and whatnot, which is very famous in the area. But he will just walk out one day in the open and for eight hours he just trash people or just sort of sensitize people and on the ones who are littering on the roof. That's what he does. Second day he might just reach up to a school and say, I want to teach you something." Third day he might just do something else, and that's freedom of life for him. I think what he sort of uh, teaches us is the idea of live now. Right. I think this there's, there's everything into him, like this acceptance, this, there's this the guy had no worry about his past or anxiety about his future. He lived in the present. And just being around the Kanji was you know, you're around an energy ball that you're trying to seek a lot of new things and being in his fifties, uh the Dukanji, he, <laughs> he's se kaafi le se kaafi so calm in his head he is one guy I always remember if I am in stress <laughs> yeah. I would always think Dukanji how would Dukanji react to this and I always come back with an answer that Dukanji would be like chill bro <laughs> <laughs> just, just chill and just move on chill just, don't have to Khan, he told me one thing in Hindi which I sort of uh Rehydrated in English. And it took me a while to do that also, but he meant that the most happiest people are the ones who have nothing to lose. Okay. The moment you have, the moment you worry and you put something in your head, you take yourself too seriously. That's when, yeah. that's when things start going south. But, if just for a moment you feel that like you have nothing to lose, you just, that sense better. of fear is gone. I think it's it's very important for you to do that. So, not that easy. Maybe by the end of... When I'm in my 50s, I'll say that dialogue so well. But, again... Should you grow
0: that moustache? The Uh, handlebar moustache? That's not
1: happening, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's too... Like, I'm I'm bad with using shampoos. so I won't.
0: (laughs) But that's an interesting point to make about rural India because you clearly mentioned so many of your experiences. And these are 100% true.
1: But people usually don't agree about this. If you talk about the cities or areas people don't really agree with this which is very fair because when I was when I was a teenager or when when I was not exposed to it I was always I would always you know fall in line with what everybody said or what I was showcased and it's it's pretty human and I that's what that's how our world functions because our elderlies or peer groups will tell us something and since we trust them we'll believe what they say but uh, I think it's more important for you to sort of and I was lucky enough to do that. But when you go out and experience these things, uh, you build your own perspective. And building your own perspective is very important. It's very important. Because you can't just... I mean, it's just a painful life for you to live. Where you have... You know, all that you've been doing in your life is just trusting somebody else's world. And living in a bubble. <laughs> and this just wrong. I mean, you have to go out. And spe- specifically for rural India, I mean, just I can't tell you that every time... There, there, there are places that I've visited maybe more than fifteen, twenty times. But every time I go to that place, I still feel that this this place has something new to offer. Yeah. Maybe it's about people. It's about progress. You know, the first time I visited in twenty thirteen, I saw a lot of people using feature phones and excited about the idea of smartphones. Now that I go in these places, people are excited about smartphones and everybody owns one and they are looking forward to buying a OnePlus or a Apple. So that's where the aspirations are. I'm so happy to see. These people uh, especially from areas like Himachal and all you go and visit these people. It's just it's just different. And mm-hmm. I'm dead sure that no blog or video video logs would ever explain you or give translate the feeling of you being in that place. So it's important for you to sort of be out there, meet these people and you can make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need not have an agenda to go anywhere. Okay, it's so, okay to pick out a vacation. So, interestingly, yeah, I'll just mention a point. Uh, during these rural trips, you know, uh, when I used to come back home after living a month in these different areas, my mom asked me one day that do, do you think you should visit a psychiatrist? i like, why? So she's like, I've been observing you for the last two years and when you when you came from Punjab, you, Punjab craved, you craved for Lassi and you never liked curd. I was like, yeah. So that was one thing, and I realized, some change I mean, When you came from Assam, you had a taste for tea, which you never drank tea in your life, but you wanted to You're drink. You're a coffee person. I I'm, know person. Yeah, I'm a coffee person. I'm just all of a sudden drinking tea. I, I went on from Tamil Nadu and I had this tone of talking which became a little South Indian, you know sir sir very this uh, dan and, and my mom said why do you have to travel all these places because what you're doing when you come back you reflect the personality of the place you've lived in and i'm i'm sure connecting to your point it's very it's impossible for you to create uh, the same experience here without visiting these places so it's it's extremely important for you to travel and see how the world pans out minus manali rajasthan <laughs> And, the good and, and Goa. <laughs> there, there are <laughs> a lot of good places in India. Please go out visit them. And I think my mom actually booked me a psychiatric uh, the point, therapy right. session because she asked me when's my next vacation. I told her I'm going to Ranji. And she's like, why to Ranji? And am like, it a nice village. I want to go there and chill. She thought I was joking, but I actually went to Ranji. Went to this village. Uh, paid 500 bucks for a night. Two nights actually. I just lived in the village. There's a nice waterfall that there when I came my mom had a Psychiatric <laughs> appointment ready for me, like this guy needs help. But again she's understood this part yes. that Son is perfectly normal. He's just exposed to the idea of this. I think when people listen to this show, they will finally uh, come out talking good things about hashtag days. Of course, yes. At least they sort of yeah, hashtag days of course, yeah. people and it's always good for them. And they don't have to talk good about it. The point is they even if you pick a thing and just beyond the idea of hai, that's your annual trip to every, whichever area you belong to, you might just make a 15-day trip every year to your village. That's, that's driven by a family. But just once, try and experiment and go to a different place altogether, in a different city, in a different village, area, whatever. And don't just scout uh, and take selfies and fill your Instagram. Just talk to people meet people I think there's enough and more that you'll learn it's fulfilling just, experience it's a very fulfilling experience you learn enough and more in just one trip you don't uh-huh. have to and there's this again I'll just repeat myself that there's a different world out there which half of us most of us are unaware of so explore that's an interesting story and I'm kind of jealous of you right now Ha much I feel good about people being jealous of yeah. me right no, I'm, now. I'm jealous
0: in a very positive way. No, no, no. no whatever jealous
1: you are, like, I would, I would want you to be jealous of me right now. Not when I was experiencing all this, because I was burning when I was <laughs> doing all of these things. And it, it's not easy to, it's not easy to live in a place without internet. In your, that's true, that's true. you know, if you know what I mean, like, in your mid-twenties. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, exactly. So in your mid-twenties, in your mid-twenties, you're living for a month in a village. Where you don't have network and you're living by yourself in a tent and the only access of entertainment for you is the... Conversations. You know the kids in the village who play cricket every evening. That's what you do. That's your entertainment. You played one. I think there's a photograph of you. Yeah, that was in Bihar. And that's the only source of entertainment you have. So, it, it's quite difficult for you to sort of break up with about this. So, I was burning back then. So, yeah, that makes you jealous now. <laughs> <laughs> I love to have people who are jealous and sort of want to overcome this jealousy by visiting these places.
0: Right. And even when apart from this, I've heard a lot of stories from you which which contribute to that jealousy part because uh, I, I would always be like, dude, this guy is living a dream life. And I think I'll be primed enough to quit internet for a month, maybe to
1: experience that once in a lifetime. I think that's a challenge for you, Ajay. you just... It Qu- is. Quit everything for a month and um, when you quit everything for a month I think there's a lot of people out there who just want to travel and uh, I think the jealousy part comes with a nice filtered photograph of what you see out there but life's not so you know yeah, flowery sure. yeah life is not so flowery out there what you see on these photographs and videos are something to but when you actually go and live these lives uh, when you actually go and meet these people and live their life for a day you realize how difficult their lives are but the positives are how how plain and simple would they just live their day and still smile and you know yeah that's the biggest takeaway because uh, we
0: live with we get almost everything we can dream of
1: to make our life easy but we still complain about things yeah. Yeah. they don't complain about they them. don't complain they, they have aspirations they have requests they are very curious and I think Serves them as a perfect platform to live a healthy life. It's okay for you to quit internet for month. I think it's going to be difficult for you. You'll have your clients complaining, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's going to be a life changing experience. You're going to bite your nails off the then third I day. I'll send them the hashtag base and tell them about what I'm doing. So <laughs> Please do that. Maybe I'll join you in your hit club. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Most well.
0: And do you think these experiences sort of uh, made you write a book about your life? I know mm-hmm. it's not a biopic as such, but uh, no, it's yes. all about your experiences so far.
1: So as I was mentioning, while doing these rural trips, uh, I actually had nothing to do And of course, you're in your mid-20s. Love is in the air. Right. And I had this and I had this uh, woman I really wanted to impress. And she was a brilliant writer and awesome. uh, she was... Really she was passed out of a literature, school, and what kind The worst I could do was write something and it was... sort of curiosity, one fine day I started writing. And I didn't stop for the next four days of writing. I kept writing, writing, writing. I just mapped out everything that I witnessed, saw, experienced, right from the age of 16 to when I was twenty. But what came out as an insight and we spoke about this earlier in this session is how we've missed out on a lot of things in our lives because of uh, social implications and rules and regulations made by the society. And that was so disheartening to me because if I was clear at the age of 16 on what I want to be or I was was very clear on the processes that I would have to follow to be that person, I would be a different person right now because most of us are just falling into this trap of, you know, you finish your practice, you finish your school, then you get into a junior college, then you have three things to pick up from, uh, which is arts, commerce, science, and then you end up doing a graduation, and then by the end of it, you are into a 9 to 5 A mundane life. A mundane life. And, writing this book was an exercise for me to sort of correct everything that was wrong about me. So when I wrote something, I realized, ah, this is something that I could have done better. So, okay, it's a book now, it's thankfully making me money, <laughs> but I think more than that, what, what, what it's done for me is, through this piece of literature, I've corrected my way of living. Yeah. So after finishing the book, there was a new, So as I mentioned, there there was was phase one, phase two, till 21 I had a different life, 21 I have a different, so this different life was one of the most important factors also was writing down because... I knew everything that I was supposed to do right from her. Right. Because most of us, we run towards what can you do right. But it's very important for us to understand that what you're not supposed to do, and what you're, you're supposed right. to do. And I realized, I think this exercise helped me uh chalk out everything that I was not good at. Mm-hmm. And when you're not good at something, you should either like strive to practice it or just, just move on. Write, on. writing this book was a very personal exercise me, which sort of helped me helps, helping me right now also to be a better if, if I face situation again I think it's something that everybody should sort of once that day I'm not a writer I'm still not a writer I won't have the author tag anywhere thank you for putting in that one piece but uh, it's, writing was possible the book is out there I mean the book just proves me as an idiot and I want people to sort of read the book just because not because uh, it's a great story, but it's the story of an idiot and you don't follow or live that life. Uh, the worst you could do is live my life, is the point. Not after twenty two or what I am right now, but when I was a teenager. So it just gives you a good reference to what you're not supposed to do. and of course I was not good with English. So <laughs> I just wrote a book out saying that and when it while it there were a lot of grammar nazis that turned on that's just for oh, the, that's part of it. that's just the hate. haters don't say haters nahi bolte yaar. everybody's a, see that's one part of the book never hate spread <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. love <laughs> but by the name the exclamator yeah, what's the logic behind it so exclamator is the exclamation mark yeah. yeah and it's a word out so I said I was bad in English I want to name exclamation but it's copyrighted so I could say an exclamator random word doesn't exist the next book I want to write is Sammy Bogan, <laughs> Which is... It's not the end. It's just like I've got married and all that. Then it's comma. Next, it will be my late or early 40s or late 30s. Then I want to write question mark which is life crisis. And finally it be full stop, stuff. Which is my end of life. Puri planning. puri planning. So, I do say he planned. But Exclamator has a larger story and which is Exclamator is more about so after writing exclamator I realized the power of travel and uh this is for the people who are listening in but me and Ajay have already collaborated on a travel project that we are coming up in the next couple of months. So I think I just would be hopefully that. We will <laughs> we'll talk, talk about it. We'll talk about it. Coming so. soon, ma'am. Coming soon, ma'am. Yeah. But it's a damn interesting project, which is also quality exclamator. So everyone's gonna know about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so
0: before we pull the curtains down on this, um uh, I have something to say. Mm -hmm. You were the first one to bring me on stage during Verizon
1: uh, on the EDM night. And uh, that was the first time I had a different view of the entire setup. Because before that, I used to be that shy, controlled kid who would sit in the corner of the glass and be afraid of doing things. But uh, you made me come and I was like, no, I won't come. And
0: you practically pulled me up there. That was when I saw the glimpse.
1: I saw a crowd of people. They were all cheering. Of course, they were cheering at the artist or not really, me, but uh, that was a different feeling in itself. And that changed my life. Completely. You had a spark. Like I, I remember you, as a junior also, not a lot of people have the idea to, you know, they're not great kickstarters. They're not, a lot of people sort of miss the energy of you know, thinking new or starting with something new, and I think while you were in college, you had this kid Though you were shy, though you were but yeah. your brains were have I, I seen a long no, way. No, but uh, even though it was a shy thing, because of you, I started exploring things. I uh, you practically gave me the platform to do things. I that's that's and a great. Yeah, I don't, know I don't think it. I've bro. told you this before, but uh, that's yeah, humble. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Bro. You have a long way to go.
0: Krishna twitter karna hai
1: <laughs> <laughs> kareng kare sab karenge hai va do exclamation twitter karenge aur w- exclamation ka
0: twitter that's a good way to end this show and thank you so that much that was M- krishna mishra w- and as i call him krishna mishra not Kant <laughs> mishra
1: <laughs> Cheers, that's my college name chill
0: that's thank a, you that's not it not just a college name that's a name in general i've always known you by krishna and i think it was
1: years later that i found out that your name was krishnakant yeah, I never spoke that name out unless on my birth certificate. It? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, that's my name. Krishna is better. <laughs> <It's> better. <laughs>
0: well, that was Krishna Mishra, and thank you for listening to The Sensations. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Ajay Parthasarthi, and I'll see you in the next one.